We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 28th. Jeff Erickson here with Bob Harris from Football Diehards, uh, FSWA Hall of Famer Bob Harris. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. Always great to hear from you, man. Yeah, uh, and you are a busy, busy man. Catch you on SiriusXM with uh, Michael Fabiano on Fantasy Dirt, and as well as the Die Hard Show with Mike Dempsey. You got you guys are, are awesome. Do great stuff there. Um, Appreciate it. I, I, and I'm just I'm thankful to have you on. I know you're doing a couple podcasts today as well. Uh, <laughs> crazy week this week. Uh, yeah. You know, especially trying to rank running backs. I. I, I we always complain about it, but I, I don't think I've seen as much day-to-day chaos with as many elite running backs as we have this week. Yeah, this has been an interesting one, and you know, and, you know, throw in the return of of the top running back, and it gets even more interesting yeah, or potential so return. Let me be careful there. Yeah, let's start there with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, there's been some pump fakes this week. You know, a yeah. couple of weeks ago they were saying, well, probably after the short week, and then Matt Rule saying, oh, we haven't ruled him out this week. Uh, had the red jersey on, no, no, no contact jersey, then took it off and had a regular yoki dope. <laughs> what, what do you make out of this? Um, look, I, from all indications, he's pushing to play as you would expect. Right. And so, uh, we'll see. I mean, practice is going to determine it. The short week seems to me to make this a little bit difficult for them. Uh, Mike Davis's play, you know, last week, notwithstanding, I mean, he had averaged hundred scrimmage yards per game. He was doing quite well. They were winning games. Uh, so I'm just, I'm not sure I see a huge need to push McCaffrey back if he's not ready, but I, I will, I will say, you know, for the most part, I think when Matt rule says, Hey, we're going to let the medical people decide. I think that's true. I also think they haven't decided. And I think that McCaffrey is going to push like hell to play. And that's, I mean, you know, all things that you would expect and it may not be something we know, uh, you know, look, even if he's active, Jeff, here's the, the problem for me with guys coming back is 
do I really trust the workload or do I trust right. what they're going to do? And, and you and I have been doing this long enough to know it's totally a mixed bag. I mean, you get guys that will come off these things and just come out great guns. You'll get other guys where they ease them back in. Uh, and, you know, and I, I know Matt Rule said that, you know, he intended to continue using Davis. I don't necessarily believe that because why? Christian McCaffrey is why. Right. So, uh, so I think this week is going to be tricky. And I feel like if you have McCaffrey and he's active, you're playing him. Of course. Of course. But, you know, you, what I worry about is like the, oh, he's active, but we were just, he was only a, available in an right. emergency and they just don't tell us the the Kyle Shanahan sort of thing there. But right. and we saw it with Leonard Fournette a couple of weeks ago against Chicago right. as well. Same, same situation. So, yeah, that is on one end of the range of possible outcomes, the bad end and the good end is he comes back and he lights it right up. So uh, hopefully we get some good intel from the practice field today, Wednesday. I mean, that's always that's going to be critical on a Thursday game. We'll get the we'll get his injury designation. My guess is it'll be questionable regardless, unless they do us the kind favor of just ruling him out. And, right. And, you know, we've seen a lot of that this year, too. Right. More than we normally do of just players getting ruled out early and just getting it taken care of and having decisions made for us. Yeah, it was. I was thankful that the Packers with Aaron Jones officially ruled him out and didn't do one of those active, but only in an emergency thing. Because, yes. no, against the Texans, we would have all had him active. Absolutely. I mean, it'd be hard not to. And, you know, the, you know, I know we'll get to him, too. But, you know, LaFleur kind of down, you know, maybe making it sound a little dicey again this week. And we've seen the Packers be really cautious with guys in these cases. See Devontae Adams, right. uh, even though he felt like he was ready to return sooner than they let him. Uh, you know, sometimes it works out for the best. It does. It does. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I I kind of like. I know they've said that Davis will be involved, but I I really get a Bell D'Angelo Williams vibe <laughs> from this situation yeah. in Carolina. Uh, as yep. good as Davis was, you know, he's no McCaffrey. And no, there's a reason McCaffrey's making sixteen million dollars a year. Yep. Uh, you know, in a, in a league that doesn't pay up for running backs, they're paying up for this guy because of that consistent that snap to snap production they've gotten. And fantasy owners should expect that too. I just hope that he gets back fully healthy before they uh, ask him to do it. Yeah, really, another tough one is a player that he himself isn't hurt, although injuries around his team have really caused a problem, and that's Zeke. You know, yeah. 12 for 45, just two targets against the football team last week. That offensive line has imploded. Uh, they, yeah. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be this week against nope. the Eagles, too. I'm I'm at a loss with him, too. I, I have him at six this week. And it, he could be two. He could be 20. You know, I, I really don't know. Right. Again, you're going to continue playing him as, you know, as you're running back one, whatever you have. And maybe someone outperforms him or outproduces him. You're, you're playing him what you drafted him to be and hope he gets up. It sounds like Zach Martin could be back this week. That still leaves them crazy thin yeah. <laughs> up front. I think Joe Looney maybe has a chance too. I saw, but, uh, but either way, I mean, this offensive line is a shell of its former self. Uh, clearly Dak Prescott is a very good player uh, who made things tick and made that offense work, especially with as bad as that uh, defense has been. And, you know, having that quarterback who can propel an offense to the kind of scoring heights that Dak had them out was great. We don't know, like you mentioned, if it will be uh, Andy Dalton or Ben DiNucci. And even if it's Andy Dalton, we don't know which Andy Dalton it is. Is it the red rifle or the redheaded stepchild? It could be either one any given weekend or any given snap. So uh, it's a big issue. And I think it hurts the wide receivers there as well. I think one thing that I think we were seeing maybe a little bit of it is that that Dalton was willing to throw to Zeke. And we've seen Zeke more pretty involved in the passing attack. I think that's what you're hoping for 
you know, if as a man, as a, as a Zeke manager, that that he continues to get that involvement, and at least gives you a, a solid floor uh, with the receiving totals in PPR leagues. Right. And I don't know how much I'm buying into this, even though I am a card carrying Bengals fan, one of three on the West Coast out here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the whole national game, primetime Dalton thing versus regular Dalton thing. I, I think that's coincidence, not causation, but. It, it's hard to ignore the the, the history there too, though. Yeah, it, it, look, I've been embarrassed by that. You know, like in fact, you know, talking on a pregame show before a Thursday night game uh, and downplaying the whole notion, only to have him throw four touchdowns to AJ Green. I think that night. So um, you, you yeah. just you you don't know which guy you're getting. It's just totally true. Right. So uh, we'll see about that as he emerges from the concussion protocol. And concussion I think it takes the. Go ahead. I think it takes a receiving core, though, you know, whether he's there or not. I mean, it it, it kind of makes it a little easier. You're not just telling you're not really tempted to play Gallup anymore. The 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 possibilities there, you know, look really appealing as you look at names other than Gallup and Lamb turns into a flex play, kind of a swing for the fence play. And you're hoping he gets some big plays on his own. And Cooper, you're just hoping for that continuing workload. And I think you're kind of getting it. Um, but man, we've all got to, you know, we've all got to reset our expectations there, or we all should have once Dak was gone. Yeah, absolutely. I have a NFFC primetime team that's really competitive in the overall points. And last week was an utter disaster. OBJ gone for the year on his first offensive play of the game. CD Lamb, uh, nothing last week. And uh, DK Metcalf, who's, you know, been my stud. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not worried about Metcalf at all. I think this was just a, a, a cornerback matchup thing. Uh, that Lockett was just destroying Kirkpatrick, and they just, hey, let's keep going to it. Why would you? Why would you stop? I get it. Uh, yep. But you know, it, it's it's aggravating when that happens. You're like, oh, just just throw it on once, and then you lose that touchdown in overtime. I'm just it's therapy right now. Sorry. <laughs> I understand completely. <laughs> if only we got points for extra effort uh, tackles uh, from behind. That exactly. Would be great. Yeah. It, it, Usain Bolt impersonations. That's worth 20 points right there. But. Uh, that, that calf is a freak. Let's man, just oh, what a what oh, a so physical fun. specimen, man. Uh, okay, let's go back to more frustration and uncertainty because that's our vibe right now. Uh, T- Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette versus Rojo this week. <clears throat> so I talked to Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times last night, and he's convinced that it's it's Rojo until it's not right. And, and, I mean, I mean that's what we're all we're all facing. But he and I, I've talked to him consistently over the course of time since dating back to the summer before Fournette's arrival. And that was pretty much his narrative. Then he's sticking with it. He says, you know, Fournette's going to get in, you know, he's clearly he's taken over that third down role, uh, from LaShawn McCoy. Um, and also, I mean, there are going to be times where he gets a series or whatever, and he makes something of it and going to have a reasonably good game. Um, but I'm kind of buying the contention that he makes it. Ronald Jones is the guy that they put their faith in all along. The guy that gets the first shot at getting the hot hand, you know, when you're in a hot hand situation is usually, you know, I mean, obviously logic dictates that's the one you go with. If you have both of them, let's say. And if you only have one of them, I think you could probably play both of them any given week and have some reasonable hopes for solid production. Yeah. And given that how many so many other teams don't have that situation, like like I'll take the two bucks backs over the Rams backs or the Bills backs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. 
Uh, totally on the Rams too. And, and, you know, I mean, we, we get to the point where we've invested in players. I don't know about you, but you know, you get that tendency to hang on. Cause you know, I've already kept them this long. And can, you know, this is the case with cam Akers. I'd say JK Dobbins in the same boat. I'm saying, you know, you could take that all the way to like, man, I drafted Alshon Jeffrey dirt cheap, right? I'm, I want to hang on and get something out of him. Uh, and there just comes a point where you have to realize you need to win now and whatever cam Akers or JK Dobbins is going to turn into your visions of them being league winners is far enough out that if you need to win now, you should probably be willing to make those changes. Right. And, and there's real consequences to hang on to those guys, or, yep. or for that matter, uh, injured guys. Like, I have a yeah. league with Nick Chubb, and I had a bunch of other injuries uh, and, and buys in last week, and it, it forces you to make hard calls, and sometimes those hard calls are wrong. I went Newton over Burrow, and I had to cut Burrow just for to get an active roster, a full active roster yep. for the week. And, boy, that one looked pretty smart. You know, you know, it blew up in my face spectacularly, and now I'm I'm going to be like trying to boot and rally and go after him again. Right, you know, that, that one of the joys of fantasy football is the ass kicking we all get to give ourselves on Monday. Um, you know, the decisions you made, but you know, you can, you know, often very defensible in the moment and much harder to defend in hindsight. Um, Joe Burrow, though, I mean, all these rookie quarterbacks, I mean, for the same reason, you know, there's no question why Miami's going with Tua Tonga Vailoa, right? I mean, it's, it's Joe, it's Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert, right? I mean, you know, Hey, we invested in our guy. We want some of this too. And I'm not sure, you know, whether Brian Flores, you know, was maybe the guy making that ultimate decision. He's going with it. Look, and I love what Brian Flores is doing in Miami. I like the way the direction, the, the long-term plan this organization has in place but thinking they weren't getting some pressure after you know people upstairs are watching those other guys make hay and and what's the path to success in the nfl right now jeff you know at least championship success is a quarterback on his rookie contract that's right with tons of talent around him and paying the price there and not a quarterback right and you gotta remember too that they had a later bye week that got changed on them Yep. And I think the plan all along was the bye week. And it, yeah. the fact that they they had won, th- you know, three out of four in their last two, I mean, that, and, you know, and a stomping of the Niners in, in, in San Francisco, I think that was the one that kind of changed the narrative on the Dolphins. I think, you know, beating the Jets, whatever, you know, you didn't convert a third down until the fourth right. quarter really wasn't that good of a game. Uh, but it, it was the, the Niners game before is the one that made that seem shocking. But this is a team that had a plan, or at least the front office had a plan. And they they were going to go with it. They may not have communicated that very well. I think that was the thing that I was shocked at is seeing Fitzpatrick's reaction and saying, you know, I was floored by this, heartbroken, all that. You don't want to see that. I mean, you just you want to see, you know, and I, not that he's wrong for saying that, but you want to you, you're hoping like, oh, this was a comp, you know, an organization that communicated their goals. And this didn't come as a shocker. Right. And, and, you know, like in the moment, I understand his disappointment. Also, you know, clearly his statements prior to that, he knew, you know, he knew what the plan was ultimately, whether he was aware of the timing or the timing caught him off guard. So I'm sure, you know, as he gets a little time to cool off, he'll, he'll be fine with it. But all the same, I mean, that's part of it, man. Setting expectations for players and, and is a big thing. And, and the success they were having, look, this team has been all along, you know, I think been focused on winning, whether, you know, they, they ended up getting to, and that's great, you know, but I don't think they tanked for Tua, right? I mean, I think that, you know, I think they played hard and they've, that's been a, kind of one of the hallmarks under Brian Flores is, right. is he's, he's getting the most out of the team. Uh, and, and it's clearly getting better. I'm excited to see what Tua can do, especially based on what we've seen from Herbert and Burrow. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, front offices and owners tank, players and coaches, they, they right. do the best they can. I think that's always yep. the lesson. And a team that can look special bad, as the Dolphins really truly did last year. I mean, those first yeah. seven games, they were historically bad. You know, and the Jets are right there right now, too, but they may not always be that way. Yeah, well, the Jets may be that way the rest of this year, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it, you know, as long as Gaze is still there, I think that there, there's a difference. Oh, yeah. It's hard to it's hard not to pile on at this point. It really is. I mean, for a guy who's you know whose great success came with Peyton Manning, you know, it's fair to question how much of that was gazed and how much of it was Manning. But it's also fair to say that when he sits down with people who make decisions at the you know at at that level, he impresses them somehow, right? right? And I've heard that, you know, from multiple reports just saying, look, man, when he sits down, when he interviews, he's impressive. He has a plan. He's got everything together. He knows what he's doing. It uh, just doesn't seem to come to fruition on the field. And for our, from our perspective, you know, as fantasy managers, we hate what he does to the vast majority of players or let's say all of them who aren't slot receivers, I think is a fair say. Right. <laughs> right. I, mean, I think that's right. Uh, and he might have been getting a little validation over Kenyon Drake struggles this year, too, perhaps. That yeah. He, he, yeah. he says, see, it's not just me. The chase is on. Yeah, it, it, it certainly <laughs> is. And, you know, we have the bye week this week, which may allow you to go ahead and acquire him. You know, you could. You trade for him this week to alleviate somebody else's bye week woes, and then you got yourself a starter the rest of the year. Yeah, it's you know, look, everyone, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been had, I've been getting tons of questions the last two weeks or, or more, even. Sure. You know, should I play Edmonds? Should I play Edmonds? And you know, it's hard to advocate playing a guy who has such a narrow band of you know of opportunity. Now that he gets the opportunities, it's very easy to promote him. He's been fantastic. I mean, we all know what he is, and, and you know, that's. I'm sure you handle this similarly, though. You know, you get people asking questions about these guys, and I, and look, it's fine to play your hunches if your hunch is that Chase Edmonds is going to score a touchdown on his fewer than 10 touches, great. Play him. I have no problem with that. But logically, if you have other players getting more opportunities, I'd rather play them. Now that he has the opportunities, we've seen the run after catch. We've seen the playmaking ability. Get him the hell in there. Yeah, I do worry a little bit that he might have a little bit of Amos Zeraway, uh, Kevin Barlow disease, where he's the finisher, comes in after the <laughs> starter, has softened everybody up. Uh, and he's the fresh guy, kind of like Jermichael Hasey is now for yeah. the Niners. Uh, yeah, you can't just look at YPA. You have to look at a no. lot of other things there, too. Yeah, when they're playing, what part of the game, uh, what the situations are. Uh, so there's a lot going on. I, I thought it was interesting, you know, the, the Shanahan sitting McKinnon last week that we none of us saw coming. But I thought more interesting, lost in all that, the anger at McKinnon was, when did Jeff Wilson turn into the second coming of Raheem Mostert? Wait, when did Raheem Mostert turn into Raheem Mostert? I mean, these guys are coming out of the woodwork uh, and showing all kinds of speed and ability and, yeah. uh, you know, just ideal fits for the offense. So kudos uh, to Shanahan for finding and identifying these players, journeymen for the most part, who can come in and dominate. Also, not kudos to him for destroying our fantasy fortunes with this uh, uncanny ability he has. Well, yeah, and that's just the thing, too. It's like you can't – they're too good to ignore, but – you, you, they destroy you too. It's similar to the Pats in their heyday, you know, where it was a different guy every single week. Yeah, it's the Gordian knot of back. We'll never untie it. Yeah, uh, and you know, it, it, it's it's really you know you really have to be in a pinch to take one of those guys. I kind of speaking of hunches, I kind of have a J.K. Dobbins hunch this week. Uh, that it's possible coming off the bye. Ingram didn't practice today. 
you know, he's, you know, I, you know, he's still got that ankle. The only thing is I hate the matchup. You know, I right. hate the matchup against the Steelers. Yeah, I, I do too. But, you know, look, and part of this is, you know, I've tried not to get overly excited based on the investments I made in August. Right. right. And the, the, the expectations I had when I made those investments that, you know, look, we're all doing the same thing. We're trying to identify potential league winners. Right. And we all know they're going to happen down the stretch. There are going to be players who emerge who you invested next to nothing in, or maybe you picked up as free agents and, and don't, overlook the possibility that somebody who drafted Dobbins has long ago bailed on him and he's sitting there on your waiver wire. So, right. you know, it's something you need to look for, but you know, these are, these are the kind of players, look, the talent is there. You know, the opportunity is the only thing missing and in no position is that more prevalent than running back where, you know, that, I mean, look, man, we could go back to, you know, <laughs> I mean, I could run down the litany of guys who have come out of nowhere to win you fantasy titles, uh, you know, including very recently how CJ Anderson rolled off his couch Yep, that's right. <laughs> and when you have fantasy title, right? So, and that's the position it could happen. So when you see a guy with that level of talent and the team's level of investment in him, uh, it's not, you know, it's not crazy to have those similar hopes, right? That he can come out of nowhere. And I, I do think, you know, if, if something were to happen, but I know Jamison Hensley from ESPN, you know, was asked specifically last week, you know, do you think, you know, is there one guy you can count on? Uh, you know, down the stretch for this team. And he said, you know, even if Ingram's hurt, he wouldn't want to have to lean on Dobbins because because Gus Edwards averages five yards a carry. Yeah. You know? so it always has. Yeah, is, always has. Right. And, he, so he's good. and he's a really good fit. And that was something we heard last year. You know, why do they keep playing? Because he really works well in this offense and what they want to do with Lamar Jackson. So he's going to be part of the mix, too. So yeah. uh, for me, it's hard to bank on Dobbins, but the talent is undeniable. I mean, we saw it. You know, anyone who saw him play at Ohio State knows it. That's right. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Uh, how about uh, Kansas City? Uh, what sort of split are you seeing between Edwards Alaire and Lev Bell this week? Uh, to try to, you know, so this, the secret to happiness is management expectation, right? If you don't have any, you're hardly ever disappointed. So I'm going to start out at 60 40, you know, for Edwards Alaire. And, you know, if it ended up being 60 40 for Bell, I wouldn't be shocked. If it was 70 30 the other way or either way, in the end, it wouldn't shock me. And if there were games where one player was totally dominant, you know, I mean, that's the nature of running backs, you know, the hot hand situation. I do think I think that, you know, we've kind of been having a lot of foreshadowing the day they signed Bell. You know, if you remember Jake Glazer, you know, in the pregame show uh, that, that I think they signed him on that Thursday. He was talking about, you know, Andy Reid told me that, you know, they wanted to keep their little guy from getting the pounding. Right. And the little guy being Edwards Alaire. Then the first day Bell shows up for practice, Reid's first comment. He's big. 
right? And then a couple of days later, Eric Bieniemy talking thunder and lightning. You know, we right. got so you know they're they're foreshadowing what they envision, uh, whether it comes to fruition or not. I think it will. I mean, I I tend to agree with everything they said. And if you're an Edwards Alaire investor and you're going, damn it, I'm going to lose out on all those touchdowns. Well, you already weren't getting them. So you know, you're getting by on, you know, total yards from scrimmage basically with him. And that's why Le'Veon Bell's there. He just hasn't been able to move the pile uh, in short yardage or goal line situations. So, you know, Bell's going to get that. And and we all know Le'Veon Bell, if he's not, you know, if he's used properly. I mean, I, I don't think this is a LaShawn McCoy showing up last year pretty much washed up or, you know, uh, 70% washed up. You know, this is a Le'Veon Bell who can probably still play a little bit. And in this offense, we know what running backs can do who just show up. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to be optimistic, but but maybe think back to when we were drafting Edwards Lair and Damian Williams. You know, it might be that those same similar levels. You had a third round guy and like a sixth round guy. Yeah. And maybe that's how it winds up here. And, and, and it's pretty even money that who ends up being the third round guy and who ends up being the the six round guy. I mean, I, you know, if it, if it went either way, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm still counting on Edwards Lair, you know, to be the lead uh, and, and Bell playing a secondary role, but we all know that can change at a moment's notice. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. And week one might've been the, the foreshadowing of this move, you know, where mm-hmm. Edwards Lair got all those opportunities in the red zone and didn't cash them. Uh, Stuffed. Yeah. So, and you know, some of that could be the offensive lines blocking better now too. True. You know, that that's also, you know, we always think about, yeah, games as a you know running game. Right. It's not just the back; it's the system. We think of a lot of things too, Jeff. Is static. Like the thing we saw first is the right. thing we think is permanent, right? Like yeah. we saw Rob Gronkowski in Tampa come out and look like an old shell of himself uh, week one, and, and now here we are. It's week seven, and oh look, he's in better shape. He's acclimated to the hitting. He's worked his way into the offense. These things are you know evolutions uh, throughout the season for all these players. That's just one example. But, you know, the same can be said for Edwards Alaire. I mean, what he was week one isn't what he necessarily is week seven. Yeah, it's so true. I'm glad you made that point. You know, sometimes we look at it like, oh, the Bengals gave up three passing touchdowns to tight ends last week. I made that point in my rankings this week when I was uh, talking about Jonu Smith. But they may try to adjust. They may adjust their schemes accordingly. I mean, they traded away Carlos Dunlap today. Right. That's... Nothing to do with and the tight ends, but it's this cha- change is constant. Right. It's not wrong of us to want to target those and aggressively target those matchups we see based on what we saw the week before. But we do that knowing the NFL is as, as week to week a game as there is out there. Yep. And maybe this year, more than ever, the volatility, you know, is to be expected. I'm still waiting for one side to catch up with the other. I'm not sure which side's even ahead. I'm not sure they haven't caught up, but it just seems like any given week we get some real craziness. And some of these teams are still playing catch up. I'm looking at you, Cowboys defense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, you hear the natives uh, rumbling there with, with uh, before the, the the football team game, and you're just like, oh, this is a mess. And then they showed up as a mess. This particular, right? Game. You know, vetting right, so the did not help. Right. So it's not by any means a stretch. It's not like nothing is guaranteed. But if you're sitting there this week and you're thinking, wow, I want to go up against that. I want to get as many guys in against that Cowboys defense as possible. It's not a bad strategy, right? It doesn't, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything, but that's the good approach. And it's, you know, you know, things evolve, things change, but attacking those things that we've seen uh, is not wrong either. You know, you're just, you're hoping to catch it under the right circumstances. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Things, one thing that we're dealing with a lot more is fewer 
defined running back situations. Uh, there's more and more committees. And it, it's one of those things where it serves teams well, but it makes it a nightmare for us. It does. Yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, I mean, it makes us, it at least forces us to adjust expectations. And maybe that's one of the hardest things. Again, the expectation management will keep you happy, um, but it won't make up the draft value or the draft capital you invested. Right. There's nothing that's going to do that. And, and I just, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I think it's just the way we're going to have to deal with it. You look at Denver. I mean, Philip Lindsay's not going away. It doesn't matter how much they spent on Melvin Gordon. Uh, you know, and, and probably we should have known this because the last two years told us this, that Philip Lindsay can play, but, and, you know, in these situations, expecting one guy to have a lead role is entirely, you know, appropriate and expecting Gordon, let's say in Denver to have the lead role, but expecting him to keep that whole job to himself, uh, that's a reach, right? And, you yeah. know, man, man, we'll see going forward. You know, there are, there are ones that are, that are even more going to be trickier. You know, I'm heavily invested in Joshua Kelly. You know, we've seen a mixed bag from him and Justin Jackson, right? I would expect that to be the case going forward, the whole mixed bags thing. And it's going to make either of them hard to play. Look, anyone can emerge at any time. I do like Kelly's skill set. I liked it coming in. I thought he looked horrible against the Saints, in part because Jackson looked so good. But I think also in part, he'd had those fumbles leading up to that game. He looked like he was playing really cautious, right? Right. Against the Saints. Like maybe that was his focus was securing the ball more than it was playing, you know, aggressively and freely. And so I thought he looked a little better against the Jags, but who doesn't? So (laughs) good point. You know, good point. And now they're talking big changes coming out of the bye. We'll see what that means, but I'm uh, not sure how big a changes you can make there. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll listen to your your co-host, Mike Dempsey on that one there. He's all things Jacksonville to me. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I remember, James Robinson won't be one of the changes. No, no, he looked phenomenal against the Chargers. Very oh impressed. My goodness, very uh, impressed. You know, and Oziguo gets uh, set back with the hammy. You know, and they're not going to see Armstrong at all this year. Yeah, there's there's no changes there. You know, the big disappointment for Jacksonville's got to be Chark. You know, I just yeah. a lot of that's health yeah. related. Passing attack in general. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I still think he's probably their best player on their team. But you know, playing beat up has been a big issue. I like, you know, I'm optimistic. My dynasty shares of Chenault are smiling, but I mean, you know, week to week, I don't know how you play anyone on that offense, you know, not named Robinson right now with, you know, with abandon. I mean, you're playing charts still and hoping, and you see it when he, you know, when he looks like he's kind of healthy, he is still uh, can be a dominant player, but also his quarterback's not that great. And I don't think, you know, they're talking big changes and one of them is the change to Mike Lennon. We've seen this change before. It doesn't often work out well, right? No. That's why Mike Lennon's been around the block as many times as he can, and he's just not that good. So not enthusiastic about this. So funny how the, and you're talking about how the NFL is a week to week league and it shows Jacksonville is a perfect example of that, how the narrative changed, you know, they're doormat in week one, everyone taking the Colts and survivor pool yep. and they beat the Colts. Then they give Tennessee a run for their life. The 33 30 game in week two, they look like a really high functioning offense. Like this is a fun team. And then they laid a big egg on Thursday night against the Dolphins. Like, oh, okay, same old Jacksonville again. It's like, it, it just, it, it's so funny how it kind of pivots so quickly. And it's just a couple of players that can change that narrative. Right, and I appreciate you uh, uh, bringing up my survival pool failure oh, from earlier too. this year. I'm right there with you, Bob. I, it's been a horrible survivor. You, I'm generally pretty good at them. I'm in a double elimination pool. I had three different entries. I'm done. All of them. It's week. It's like week six, and I'm done. Like, what's going on here? And I'm usually, you know, the Chiefs knocked me out, losing to the Raiders on one of them. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I've, I, we do a confidence pool on our NFL radio show every Saturday night. And I think I've hit every single week. My most confident win has been the win, which would be my survival pool pick, except that one. 
Yeah. Um, so I uh, started off on the wrong foot. It does. And, you know, that, that's that's aggravating. You know, Colts are one of those teams where they, they look really good at times, and I, but I'm always, like, kind of un, unconvinced, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I'll, right. Rip, Rivers took apart uh, Cincinnati in the final three quarters of that game, and it's you know it helped that William Jackson got concussed, and they haven't had any Trey Waynes all year. But I just don't trust Rivers, and I don't trust. Uh, I, I don't think Hilton has ever been you know the same guy he's been in previous years. I, you know, he had that no. training camp hammy, and I don't think he's been the same since then. I think Jonathan Taylor though is coming on. You yeah. know, last four games it's gotten a lot better. Uh, I think he's, you know, I think that four game average is what, four and a half yards of carry. So, and also, you know, using it a little bit as a receiving component as well. Uh, maybe that offensive, look, you know, the, the, the appeal of Taylor was obvious. This is a run heavy offense with a great offensive line. It's taken it some time to get together. There's no doubt about it, but I do think he's one of those guys that down the stretch, this is going to, he's really going to start paying off, paying the dividends uh, down the stretch because I mean, look, Jordan Wilkins isn't doing anything and, no. and Naheem Himes is doing damn little, uh, can't rely on the downfield pass attack. Although it sounds like Michael Pittman might get back, you know, I don't know if that, you know, really changes that dynamic all that much. I think the guy to watch in the passing attack is Trey Burton, um, yeah. who the people who cover the team daily, Mike Chappell, you know, started talking about it about a week before he came back saying, man, that's the guy to watch. I said, you know, I've heard this before when he went to Chicago, he was the guy to watch. And he, you know, he said, Nope, trust me on this one. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, Philip rivers tendency to look for tight ends aside, Frank Reich has, you know, been the past, you know, the tight end heaviest, you know, throwing offenses dating back to his time in Philadelphia. So, uh, there's something to to build on there. Also, they have three of those guys, uh, yeah. and so and so that makes it a little bit of an issue as well. But I do think Burton is kind of a player on the rise. He's kind of a guy I'd be targeting on waiver wires just to have him on my roster, even if you don't want to force him in. But the downfield weapons, you know, I just it's hard to trust any of them. And sure. the, the one you mentioned, Hilton, uh, I have zero trust in at all. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Burton. It folded in nicely with Mo Ali Cox's knee injury. In fact. Yep. He didn't he didn't practice today, so that still might be a thing ongoing. Uh, you know, plus, you know, this is an interesting matchup against the uh, Lions. It's, you know, yeah. Taylor versus Swift. I mean, they're drafted pretty close to each other. They're, I think they're both ascendant. I think both guys are guys you're going to want the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I think so. I think Swift, you know, I was a little bit I'm, I guess I'm a little bit skeptical about anything having to do with Detroit runners, sure. you know, rushing, rushing attack in general. But but I do think that he has kind of established that. But we'll see how much Peterson we continue to get. I'm thinking the less we get, the better. And I think something we've seen with Peterson over the course of the last couple of years is, you know, he's he's he does good in stretches of one game at a time. And then and then he needs to disappear for a week or two and get back on track. So uh, the usage is going to be key for Swift, but clearly the playmaking ability and his receiving ability should set him apart there. And I hope that that that's the case down the stretch. It should be. They just got to be in the game. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And, you know, just hopefully, you know, you know, it's funny. Carry on. Johnson was this highly drafted running back. Got 14 snaps, not a carry or a target. He is now a blitz pickup guy. He's devolved into that now. But uh, yep. It's yeah. I'd like to see more Swift and less Peterson, but I get it. I get it. Peterson when he's actually running the ball, he's typically okay. It's just he doesn't do anything else. Doesn't block. Doesn't right. catch passes. Nope. So it kind of telegraphs what you're going to do. 
but uh, that, that's kind of a problem. I think, honestly, I think that's the big problem for them, right? Or anybody who's running him, you know exactly what what's going to happen when he's on the field. Right. And with Swift, at least you have that, you know, wow, we could go any direction. And man, the, the, the playmaking ability. And, you know, for not the biggest guy, he runs, he has a really nice physical style of running, man. I, I, I like what I've seen. Yeah, I do too. Uh, news out of Cincinnati, Mixon, Joe Mixon didn't practice today. He's dealing with that foot injury. I'd be wary of him again this week. Uh, yeah, the, the reporting over the weekend too, Jeff, was that you know it was probably going to be another week for him. So yep, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, give me give me certainty. That's all I want right now at this point. Right, they got some offensive line issues there as well. So uh, just more passing. I'm fine with that. Said the, the my Joe Burrow investments. Yes, and Tyler Boyd investments, and even T Higgins yeah. investments. T Higgins. Boy. Looking pretty good. I, you know, what I like is what he's doing after the catch a lot. He's making guys yeah. either guys miss or breaking tackles. Uh, it, it's not necessarily break, burnout, you know, breakaway speed necessarily, but he's getting a lot of yards after contact. Yeah, and he's yeah, and and obviously, look, I think all look the three guys. I mean, you can include AJ Green in there, and you just have to realize there are going to be ups and downs, right? But right. the volume of that passing attack right now, especially as long as Mixon is out, is and they're behind, and because they're always behind. I mean, that's the key there. The volume will float all those boats, and I mean, you know, it's, for me, it's obviously Boyd. Higgins and Green right now, but any given week, Green could rise up. I mean, we've seen the target shares go up and down for him. When they're up, they're pretty damn good. And he's starting to play a little better. Yes, he you is. Know? I think when the you know when we hit the end of the season, if it continues at this rate, that sixth round price tag you were paying for him would have been probably about right. Yeah, you, you, see, the thing about Green is he's had to learn to be a different receiver. He always used yep. to be able to separate a lot easier, and he doesn't have that anymore. I think yeah, we just have to realize that. So you're going to see fewer yards after the target. You're not going to see the big, you know, you know, fly patterns and all that that used to connect a lot. Uh, that's just not him anymore. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, yeah, but uh, you're right. And then on the defensive side of things, oh, it, it's, it is a mess. They don't have that many playmakers on the field. I think this is a big transition year. They invested a lot in their defense, and they're, all their investments got hurt. Yep. You know, DJ Reader's out for the season and they yeah, spent that a hurts ton of money. And that, that's a lot of money. Trey Waynes hasn't played a down yet. Uh, th- that hurts. Mackenzie Alexander's missed time too. So that hurts your slot coverage. And now Jackson's out. And that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I'm gr- and I, and this is all great news for us non Bengals fans who just want to see Joe Burrow hurling the ball. Yeah. And, and the opponent against him, Tannehill's <laughs> going to eat this week. He and AJ oh, God, Brown, I love them this week. So uh, a couple other things I want to talk about. First of all, one of the things I know that you play in a metric ton of leagues. And I do. I, I, every time, like in draft season, oh, I've got three drafts today. I've got two drafts. I, I, you know, I, I know some of those are best ball, but how many leagues do you actually have that you're managing in season? Uh, it's close to 30. Wow. <laughs> and it's so and so this is going to be the year that I realize that I, you can't do that because, you know, the the COVID issues have added a layer oh. of difficulty of having to recheck, you know, in past years. Look, I'm fine with, you know, going in, doing my rosters once, making my waiver claims, going back in and resetting those lineups, et cetera. But when I have to go through and make multiple passes daily on every roster it's it's you know it's it's taxing and you know every year i I mean i'm not gonna it's not a secret there are leagues i 
pay more attention to than other leagues, right? I kind of have to prioritize a little bit. Um, and so, and I'm doing that this year, but even that's tough, man. It's just, you know, it's been, it's been a, it's been quite a grind. I mean, we, you know, we both have done this for a long time. There's a, you know, the, just the time involved in doing the work itself is tough. When you throw that in, you're just going, Oh my gosh, what have I done myself to myself this year? So, uh, next year might be the year I dial back a little bit. And by dial back, I mean 20, 20. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say the same every year. And then someone says, hey, I got this league. It's an expert league. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm not uh-huh. going to turn you down. Yeah. Derek Van Riper has a charity league. Okay, I'm in. Fine. Right. That's that, and, that, and look, and that's what happens. And part of this is, you know, just doing the drafts is, you know, a big part of the job. Because, I mean, we're taking questions every day about, would you draft this guy or that guy? Well, the more times I draft, the more likely I am to have been in that situation. And, and I'm able to talk about it also. During the season, as I make all these lineup decisions each week, it's helpful to sit there and, you know, say, oh, yeah, I've had to make that decision multiple times. And also I need to, you know, look, I like to win. Right. We all like to win. Also, my job is not winning. My job is helping other people win. And, you know, after 28 years in this business, you know, you kind of come to grips with the fact that, hey, sometimes it's going to cost me like, you know, just on Sundays alone, we're doing a pregame show. I'm on the air as we as we're doing the inactives, right? Right up until kickoff. Well, I'm also writing updates about those while I'm on the air. So the notion that I can run out and change those lineups and make, you know, smart decisions at the same time, you know, let alone make just the necessary changes is a reach. So right. you, you deal with it and you, you do the best you can. Look, I want to be competitive. I hate losing. I don't want people to, you know, I don't want anyone getting a free pass against me. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. It happens sometimes. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and the thing is I, I add leagues cause of format. Sometimes I want more super flex leagues. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I want, I haven't played a guillotine league yet. I'm, that's going to be a correctable I'm, error. I'm going to play that. Next I'm in year. this. I'm in, I've, I've done one the last two years. I just got guillotined the other week for that very reason. Like it's, you know, yeah, Paul Charchian runs one. It's on its own site. And Part of this is, you know, I have I'm organized by sites, you know, all my yep. leagues. Same, same. Well, that's kind of on an outlier site, and I'm, oh no, I forgot to do my lineup in that one, and there you go. So yeah, uh, and I want to like I want to do a vampire league. I've never done that. I did too. Yeah, I've not done one of those. That looks like fun as well. There's a ton of stuff going on out there, and 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 like so, best ball's been kind of a savior for all of us, right? Uh, to to yeah. do the amount of drafting, like weekly drafting throughout the entire off season, so. At any point in time, you have a pretty good feel for what ADP is, for where people are going, what kind of, you know, what people are thinking. And, and I think it's been really helpful. Also really helpful that I don't have to set any lineups, uh, <laughs> which is great. So, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep doing a ton of best balls. I mean, there's there's no reason not to. But yeah. dialing back on the actual leagues that I have to manage would be probably a wise course of action. Yeah. The best balls have replaced mock drafts. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Uh, exactly. There's, there's, there's something in the stake. game. People are going to try. You can actually, you actually have some skin in the game when you do it. It's not wasted effort. No, I totally agree. And it's what a great thing. And you win a little money at the end of the year, but better still. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so you've been doing this. You're one of the few people in the industry that's doing it longer than me. Uh, you got in. <laughs> I've been doing it 23 years. You've been doing it 28. How did you get started doing this? Um, I was in a league. I got in my first league like in 1986 and it took about two weeks to realize uh, we don't have enough information to do this right. And so I kind of started thinking about that. And I think it was, you know, that was 86 when I started playing. So in 90, over the course of time, I kind of made a little newsletter for the league and tried to inform the guys in the league. And Mm -hmm. I think in 1993, I just said, man, I'm going to make this a thing. I put an ad in USA Today and 
and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a fun ride. Seen a lot of you know changes and a lot of evolution of the game itself, how it's played, how the information is is uh, metered out, and and how we're able to take advantage of it. And you know, you and I both remember time when there was such a thing as a sleeper. Uh, yeah. Those days are long gone, right? I mean, it's just you know everybody. There are no secrets from everybody anymore. So uh, it's it's been super fun. And uh, you know, I mean, look, when work is play. Uh, anyone who complains about that is an idiot. That's right. Absolutely right. Twitter has changed our job a lot. Yes. It's just it, all the news is out there lightning fast. If you're not on yep. Twitter, you're behind usually. And, you know, certainly on updating the site, you know, because it, it goes on Twitter before it goes on the actual site in many yep. instances. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, that's the thing. The beat writers are all out there. And I mean, I'm sure you and I do the same thing. We curate lists of people we we follow so we can, you know, quickly and, you know, uh, as quickly as possible, get the information that's most important on any given day, week, et cetera. And we're able to disseminate it way more quickly than we ever have in the past. But it kind of is a situation where you're you're putting a fire hose down your mouth and chug a lug, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's it, there's a, it's just it's a lot of information in the way, you know, th- th- we've gone from a time where. You know, you used to get, you know, I would get like maybe in the middle of the day, you would get an update from practice. And then maybe later in the day, you would get quotes from everybody involved and maybe a little more detail like, oh, yeah, he was able to run in a straight line or, you know, that kind of thing. And the player would talk about it. The coach would talk about it. And you could kind of put it all together. Well, now you're getting we get all our news in a sentence at a time. Right. So you get an update up and within five minutes, you're getting either conflicting or contrary or, you know, complimentary a lot of times, just additional information. So it comes out a sentence at a time. And, you know, I'm, I mean, it's good to get all the information. It'd be also good if we all would take a step back and say, OK, what you know, I think that's something that we've lost in the race. Right. We we're, we're so caught up in running the race sometimes that we're, we forget to analyze it because the race is just constant. Right. It never stops. So, right. uh, you know, I kind of try to do I try to tr- kind of try to run the race in the day. And then dial back and, you know, look at all the pieces that have come in throughout the day and put them together and try and set up some kind of meaningful context uh, for what's going on within, you know, whether it's the the injury itself, the team's history of dealing with injuries and, you know, the pieces around them that might play bigger roles. It's it's it's, it's changed the way we do things a lot. It sure has. Uh, the other thing that's really changed is just our media obligations. You know, and this is. You know, obviously for us, it's for the better. We've, you know, I, we've developed skills. I had no radio, TV, film background. I was a poli sci major. I went to law school. I was, you know, I had the ability to argue. Great. Yep. But I had no training as, especially as a host. I and mean, it's a whole, right. whole different situation when you're sitting in the host chair as opposed to being the analyst chair. Totally. Yeah. That's the, that's something I've added recently. Look, I, you know, I, I started doing this. I was just a guy who started doing this. Right. Right. And I spent a lot of time over the last 28 years trying not to look like just a guy who decided to do this. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's the best you could hope for. And you do get thrust into situations where, you know, I, I think it all goes back to a single thing, right. Uh, in whatever you're doing, uh, the ability to communicate your ideas fairly coherently, whether it's written or verbally, uh, is something that will take you a long way no matter what you're doing uh practice that skill and and it will serve you well that's absolutely right he is bob harris you can check him out at football diehards you can listen to him 
on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio with Michael Fabiano on Fantasy Dirt with Mike Dempsey on Football Die Hard Show. You've been doing a show with Jeff Manns a lot. You yeah, still pregame show. Every Sunday we do the pregame show, 11 to 1 uh, Eastern Time, and uh, it's a great time doing that too. And I heard you when you were on Jeff's uh, personal podcast too. Uh, and yep. Talking about your history doing the late night times uh, there a lot too. Uh, and, and just you develop those skills, spend more time, just keep grinding at it there. And you've built that audience and they'll follow. Yeah, man. Hey, look, it, it, so I think one of the things about building the audience is realizing the, everybody in the audience could be doing your job. And if they couldn't, they're pretty sure they could. And, and honestly, I don't know that they're wrong. Again, I'm just a guy who decided I was going to do this. And I think we're all, you know, if you treat your audience more as, uh, you know, I mean, we're preaching to a choir. They're us. We're them. And uh, it's not like I set myself apart. And, you know, I mean, I, I've never been comfortable with the, the word expert. You know, I'd like to say right. professional is because this is how I make my living. But really, my job is not telling anyone what to do. I mean, my job is giving them the information they need to be the best informed owner in their league whenever they're making a decision, Uh, you know, offering my opinions. But a lot of that is doing the things we talked about today, you know, kind of offering the range of possible outcomes and discussing why we think one end or the other of those that range might be the more likely. And so, you know, we're just kind of making a case, uh, you know, for what we think. But, you know, telling people what to do in this business is is not how you do this business. I know it's how some people do this business, but I think it's really helpful to realize the audience is out there. And I learned this early on, you know, especially in the magazine end of the business is, you know, there are a lot of people out there who know a hell of a lot about this. And, right. and you know, they, they appreciate what you do, but you're not the end all be all end all uh, for them. You're just a, a part of the picture. And, and it's good to keep that in uh, keep that in mind when you're doing it. That's that's great advice. And I think that's a good way to finish. Uh, Bob, Fantastic stuff. It was a super enjoyable uh, conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time to jump uh, join us. Today. I appreciate you asking me, man. You bet. Bob Harris, Football Diehards. Check him out on SiriusXM. Check out his website. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we got John McKechnie and Mario Puig. Thanks again for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Have a great day.